0: and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist as always, Ryan Flip. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that app. Today, I think, is going to be a little bit of fun. I don't know why, I just I think that. There's two key things, and they didn't come within the last half hour, which is usually how this works. But a couple things came up recently that just immediately, as soon as I saw it, it's like, all right, I'm doing homework now. You know what I mean? Where like you see something, maybe you're not this way. I know a lot of people are. You see something and it makes you mad. And rather than just like launching into an assault, because that doesn't get you anywhere. You know, you just throw something out, but you don't really know what you're talking about either. And then they counter and you feel stupid because it's like, I don't, I don't know what that, what that is. I feel like I'm maybe, maybe jumped in a little deep. No, I'm going to go do as much homework as I possibly can to just dispel this once and for all. I wouldn't say I got that far. But I had a little bit of fun with what I was doing. I think it'll make for a fun, interesting discussion, which is what I will call it, despite the fact that it's me talking and you kind of partially listening while you go about your day. Like usual, I'm, I'm recording right now and I'm not exactly sure what to start with. And I'm sure whatever I pick, I'm going to be mad I didn't go with the other one first. I, I think we're going to start with the positive, because I think if I start with something that could even be perceived as negative, although I don't really think it is, it, it might scare some people off. Let's, let's have some fun first. So the first, and there's two things, and both of them arose because people just made me upset. Uh, The first one was Mr. Negative, who I have never said his name, even though he claims that I've announced his name on the podcast. I I have. His name is Mr. Negative. But he's going on about the, you know, it's, it's the same thing every time. Packers are terrible. They're garbage. Brian Gutekunst is a joke. Blah, 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 blah. And just finding any excuse and every excuse to explain why every other team is better. Right? The Broncos are better. Because they've been to two Super Bowls recently, and we've been to one. I mean, just every kind of way that you can twist reality to make it as though the Packers are just some kind of a horrible franchise. I was like, all right, you know what? To a certain degree, I don't really care, and I'm just going to play along and act stupid. And then you're going to cross a line where it's like, all right, now I'm just going to make you look stupid. So I started doing homework, which I appreciate. He's one of the—he deserves—I should be paying him. For all the times that he talks trash about the Packers, because I've done so much homework just to refute things that he says, <laughs> and I know he does it half of the time just to get under my skin, and it's kind of a mutual thing. But I mean, it's it's like I told him, if you're going to say stupid stuff, I'm just gonna I'm going to call you stupid, and if you're joking, then you just got to deal with that. You're joking, and then I call you. I mean, it's just it comes with the territory. But essentially, what I what it came down to is, is and I explained to him, which I've said a thousand times, and he's heard it and he doesn't care. He's dug in. That's fine. But it's you've got to find joy in something other than just Super Bowls. You can't your entire football experience can't boil down to one day. It just can't. I know that. Listen, that's the apex, right? At the end of the day, that would cap off your NFL season and make the season just perfect. But you're setting yourself up for failure Because you know that no team, even the Patriots, don't win most of the time. That's not a reality. So if you win, let's say at a really high rate, because an average rate would be once every 32 years, which is two or three times in your entire lifetime you're going to witness a Super Bowl. But let's say it's once every 10 years, not including however many leap year days are involved in that. We're talking 3,650 days. If you win once every 10 years, then football makes you miserable 3,649 out of 3,650 days. It just, it's not going to work. This isn't for you. I get that that's the ultimate goal, but that's not the only thing you can derive joy from, right? If you think about going and playing poker with your buddies, at the end of the day, and maybe it depends on the person, maybe I could find a better analogy, and I'll probably keep digging at it. At the end of the day, you know there's a chance you're gonna win and walk away with money. At the end of the day, you know that there's an even better chance you're gonna walk away having lost money. But you know what? It's fun either way. Same with fantasy football. It'll be another example. If if and I very rarely do because I don't like betting money, because I don't like losing money. But when I if I were to play fantasy football and put $10 in, I do it as a price of admission for the fun of playing fantasy football with buddies of mine. That's it. If I happen to win money at the end, fine. But otherwise, I'm going to be miserable. It's, it's joining it. It's coming up with your stupid name, which mine has been the great Coon Holio for 10 years. I refuse to change it because I think it's brilliant and I love it. And I, got, uh, I, I actually have a picture. It's the great Coon Holio with like eight U's because it's, you know, Coon. And then I have actually a picture of Beavis and Butthead with Packers shirts on. That's a real thing you can find on Google. So that is my team forever. Anyways, you come up with your stupid name, you do all your homework for the draft, and that is a m- ton of fun. Then you do the draft, and that is a massive amount of fun. Then you're doing the draft. I mean, it's just it's just fun. It brings an extra layer of enjoyment to actually watching and playing football or, or you know, participating in other people playing football. You get the point. Now, there are some people where this is like a business. I'm doing this to make money, and if I start losing, I'm just going to rage 24-7. I'm going to say everybody else is stupid. I had the best draft, but it's rigged. So-and-so got hurt, and, uh, 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 dude, just enjoy it. It's also why you don't want to do massive pots, because if you start doing $100, depending on how much money you make, $100, $50, $1,000, now you can't enjoy it, because it is just all about money. Just do a $10 pot just to make sure that people actually try. But just think of that $10 as the price of admission. And again, it's about the fun of doing it. It's about going to work and talking to your coworkers and being like, dude, you just got smoked last week. I remember this guy that I, I worked with, Rob. He got beat like three times by guys that did not set their rosters. One of the times I think they didn't even have a quarterback in. He got stomped on. And again, I, I've always said fan how you want a fan, but I'm, just, I'm telling you, it's not a matter of opinion you will be happier. Obviously, we're all upset when the Packers lost. I mean, it was miserable. I was miserable. No, I'm not saying enjoy the losses, but I'm saying there are little victories along the way that you gotta start learning to enjoy. You gotta just enjoy kickoff, the excitement of of the, the lead up to it, the build up to it. It's like I talked about the other day where we, we started to get to a point as a fan base where we're just, all we do is worry about losing. We stress about what if we lose? nobody's thinking, man, what if we win? Nobody thinks that anymore. Winning is expected for Green Bay Packers fans. So the only thing we can do is maintain this level that we expect, which is 13 wins and win a Super Bowl. That's the standard. And if we miss it, we failed. You can not operate that way. It's not going to work. I've talked about this a thousand times, but I wanted to pull up a couple things because I've, I've said it, A bunch of times I've never actually looked up the statistics. I am 34 years old, and I said my earliest memories are Brett Favre. I do remember football a little bit when it wouldn't have been him, but I don't specifically remember Magic Man or any of those guys. In the last 30 years, if you're at least as old as I am, you have witnessed the Green Bay Packers win 303 football games. That is the third most in the NFL. The New England Patriots have won 312. Pittsburgh has won 310. Detroit Lions fans have only have not even witnessed 200 wins in the last 30 years. They are not to 200 yet. There are only 3 teams with not as many wins and not one of them has been around the entire 30 years. Jacksonville, Cleveland, and Houston. But why wouldn't Cleveland? What is going on with Cleveland? They have 448 games that they've played. Did they skip a year? I'm confu- I don't know. Doesn't matter. If we include playoffs in that, 326 wins, still third behind Pittsburgh and New England. Detroit, 199. They're still not at 200. If you break it down by percentage, obviously they're still third. Detroit is 31st. Chicago is 21st with a .47 win-loss percentage. So they're not even at 50%. Minnesota is obviously much better, but they're still at 0.53 with uh, 275 wins. They're not even at 300 yet. The Packers have won over 60% of their games in the last 30 years. One of only three teams that have done that. Denver is fourth at 0.567. If you want to talk about exciting and fun football, what are you talking about? If you're talking about inside the games, what's the exciting thing? It's when you score. The Green Bay Packers, think about this the last 30 years you have witnessed 13,272 points being scored by the green bay packers number 1 in the nfl number 1 no team the new england patriots are second they're a full 100 points short and here's the thing new england had like a 10 year stretch they're on the downswing i mean we'll see what happens with mac and all that and they went out pretty heavy in free agency but if they don't f- turn this around with mac they're they're headed for dark days they ain't catching up and they gotta at least keep pace with the packers at this point which is unlikely chicago is the lowest in the division with 10,060 points they are literally 3,212 points less than the green bay 3,000 points that's that's over a thousand points a decade that they're falling behind a thousand points a decade That's 100 points a year. 100 points a year average, less. Think about that. That's what the Bears are dealing with. Detroit, similarly, 10,547. Minnesota is at 11,838. Packers, 13,272. Nobody has scored more points than the Packers over that 30-year span. Yeah, but the defense is terrible. Really? In point differential, they're second behind New England. The the, the point differential would essentially be the beatdown score. How much do you beat teams by? Only 15 teams, so about half the league, have a positive point differential. Buffalo's the only one that's pretty close to being right at that even mark with a a minus one point. But the Packers, over 30 years, have scored 2,072 points more than the opposing teams have scored against them. 2,072 points more. That's 69 points a year, more than their opponents every year. Minnesota is sitting at 547. Chicago is minus 544 points, meaning they're obviously getting beat more often than they're winning. Detroit is fourth from the bottom, 1,525 points. This is what other fan base, and it's not just those teams. Carolina, the Giants, Miami, Atlanta, Chicago, Houston, Washington, Jacksonville, Tampa, the Jets, uh, the Rams, the Raiders, the Lions, Cincinnati, the Eagles, or excuse me, uh, the Cardinals, and the Cleveland Browns. All these teams over the last 30 years have watched their team get beat up on more than they've been winning. I mean, I could j- we can go down the line. How about passes completed? Because why not? You're going to tell me that's not exciting to watch completions. You know how many completed passes you've seen in the last 30 years? 11,818, second behind the New England Patriots. Number one in passing yards. Number one. You want to know how many passing yards you've seen over the last 30 years? 129,794 yards of stand-up and cheer passing yards. You want to know something that's super crazy, though? The New England Patriots are second in passing touchdowns with 880. You want to know how many passing touchdowns you've seen? Think about this. You know how exciting passing touchdowns are? Just, I'm getting chills thinking about Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers throwing touchdown passes, just jumping and leaping out of your chair cheering. You know how many times you've done that if you've watched every game for the last 30 years? Again, second place is 880. The Green Bay Packers are number one with 1,018 passing touchdowns in the last 30 years. How about passer rating? The New Orleans Saints, over the last 30 years, 88.6. The Packers are number one, 91.2 passer rating. You know how unbelievably blessed we've been to have these two quarterbacks that we've had? To have these offenses that we've had? To have the coaches that we've had? To have the offensive lines we've had? Even the running backs we've had? And even if you want to dog the defenses, oh my good. You know how good some of these defenses have been? One of the best defenses in NFL history was the Green Bay Packers when they won the Super Bowl in the 90s. Reggie White, are you freaking kidding me? Do you have any idea how good that defense was? Dominant. Dominant. You've seen 865 interceptions by the Green Bay Packers. They don't rank super high in that category, but still, 865 times. How about first downs? Second in the NFL in first downs. Are those exciting? Is that something to cheer for? You know how many first downs you've seen in 30 years? 10,782 first down completions. Second in the NFL behind the Patriots at 11,280. Chicago Bears are 27th with 9,000 first downs. Detroit is 22nd with 9,300 first downs. Minnesota is 11th with 10,047 first downs. Dominant. How about the ever-exciting third-down conversions? Second in the NFL over the last 30 years in third-down conversions with 2,824, yes, behind the Patriots. However, who's been the best at it? The Packers, 41.9%. Second place is the Saints at 41.7%. Best team in the NFL over the 30 years in third down completions. You've witnessed the second most at 2,824 times you've seen the Packers convert third downs. Seventh in the NFL in uh, fourth down completion. Well, it's not first or second. Dude, I have not seen anybody else in the NFC North in the top 10 in any category. Packers have been top 10 in just about every single category, offensively at least. 221 times you've seen fourth down conversions. The Vikings are 11th at 216. Chicago is 18th with uh, 268. We're looking at conversion percentage. Detroit is dead last, 218, 44.3% of the time. I don't think I mentioned total touchdowns. I said passing touchdowns. 1,549 total touchdowns. Green Bay Packers are number one in the NFL over the last 30 years, ahead of the New England Patriots by uh, by 54 touchdowns. 54 touchdowns is, is their lead. And the Saints are 70 uh, touchdowns behind second place. Packers are obviously number one in extra points made, seventh in the NFL in field goals made, 811 field goals you've seen made. And again, if, if you can't enjoy this, it's, it's just not enjoyable for you. That's it. The Super Bowl is the crescendo. It's the ultimate, it's the ultimate victory. It's, it's the best way to go out on the season. And losing in the playoffs is the worst way to go out. But every 31 teams lose before they get to the Super Bowl or, or you know, before they hoist the trophy. 31 teams fail. Packer fans got to stop acting like it's the easiest thing in the world to do. Got to stop acting like there's some easy formula. If they would just go all in, if they would just get a wide receiver, if they just would have, you know, got them a better offensive line, if they just would have got them a better defense, if they just would have went out and got... Uh, some defensive piece, got some safety, got some corner, got some wide receiver, had gone out and got some running back. If they had just done this one thing that I wanted them to do, then they could have, if they would have drafted T. Higgins, they could have won a Super Bowl. you got to stop that. It's not reality. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in the second segment. But here's here's what you got to do. And a lot of people don't want to do this because they just want to spout off at the mouth, but I'm not going to take you seriously unless this is essentially the way you operate formulate a theory and then test it before you run to Facebook, before you run to Twitter, before you pop off at the mouth, formulate a theory and then test it in the marketplace of the NFL. Go out and test your theory. Find teams that have done this and succeeded. Now, that's just the first step. Prove that when teams have done this, they've succeeded. So in other words, find everyone that did it and then find the hit rate. Here's the problem. It's not going to be a good one. Had a a funny exchange with uh, Mr. Negative today where he listed all the things the Packers should have done. Very shortly after, I said, you know what? Don't tell me what the Packers have done. Find me a team that's done what you said and has been successful. What, 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 is, the, what is the gold standard? He said the Patriots are the gold standard. I said that's funny because that's the one team that has not done a single thing that you said. They don't draft wide receivers. They're a notoriously cold organization. They don't give a crap what you think as a, as a quarterback. You shut your mouth and you do your job. They are way more harsh and way more cold than the Green Bay Packers are. They do not go out and spend a lot of money in free agency, and I will prove that in the second segment. They absolutely do not do that. Everything that everybody says, as far as this is what you got to do, this is how you win a Super Bowl. The Patriots do none of that. The Patriots, in fact, operate a lot more like what the Packers do, which is what a lot of casuals get mad at. The uh, Packers are just—they never, they never just go that extra mile. Well, neither do teams that win Super Bowls, unfortunately. But again, I want to save a um, couple more points on that because I can hear some of the arguments. What about Tampa Bay last year, smart guy? We're going to talk about Tampa Bay, but we're going to do it after the break so anyways again if you're a green bay packers fan maybe it hasn't been 30 maybe it's been 10 20 whatever if it's been within 30 years there has been a lot of joy and here's the thing even in the dark days which i've never been through i'm well we'll get to that you can still be a packer fan you can still cheer for the green bay packers that doesn't mean you can't critique them ever i'm not saying you gotta lick their boots you can critique it that was a bad decision obviously if they're a bad team they're making bad decisions but at the end of the day when, the, when, the, when there's kickoff, you cheer for your team and you get excited when they do well. You get upset when they do bad. And that's just what it means to be an NFL fan. And at the end of the day, your team is not going to win the Super Bowl. And if they do, guess what? It was a fluke. It wasn't because of some magic formula. It wasn't because they went all in. It wasn't because they went out and got the magic potion. It's not because any of that stuff. It was a fluke. At the end of the day, it's about rolling the dice if there was a secret magic formula, somebody would have copied the Patriots a long time ago. If there was a secret magic formula, the Patriots would have copied the Patriots formula. Do you want to know why the Patriots are even susceptible to having bad years? Because it's not a magic formula. They had Tom Brady and Gronkowski and Edelman, and it worked. And and, and a great defensive mind at, at uh, head coach who put their defenses in great positions to succeed. And when you have a great coach and great defenses, you you succeed more often than not but at the end of the day it just came down to being the right team at the right time but once you get to that point and you're in the playoffs it's just kind of a roll of the dice and yeah it came up heads i know that's a coin not dice but you know sometimes you 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 flip a coin and five times in a row it's heads it's unlikely to happen but it happens roll of the dice would actually be a better analogy because there's multiple teams in the playoffs but that's why they didn't win every year They had a great football team with the exact right formula, which is just having a good team comprised of a good quarterback and a good defense. If you can do that, you got a shot. But that's built over years. It's not some guy you picked up six months ago that's got a big name that's 35 years old and really expensive. I'm sorry, it's a slow building process. You got to get guys in the system. They got to learn. They got to grow. They got to develop. They got to develop as a team. Guys take time. Jair had a breakout season year three. Jair's Three years of grades, 72, 71, 90.7. Everybody knew, PFF called it out last year that he was going to break out because they knew they could see he's got some special gifts, but it's about taking the time to really learn and develop in the system and understanding NFL defenses and offenses and all that stuff and just figuring it out. It's like barbecue, man. It's low and slow. Some of you guys are taking your brisket and just slapping it on a gas grill with the burners just going full blast. Just waiting on that internal temperature, and I'm going to pull it and cut it low and slow, man. You got to nurture it. This is a great analogy, and this is perfect because I really am going to get grilling involved with football. So this will be the reason. This will be the excuse. Football's like grilling. There's prep work before you even get to that point. Maybe you're brining it. You're seasoning it. You're letting it sit, letting it sweat. You got to baby it. Maybe you're injecting it, tenderizing it. I don't know what kind of meat you're cooking. But you're getting it ready before it even goes on the grill. Then you gotta get it just right. Then you set it down low, 250, for hours, overnight. You gotta go outside and spritz it, right? You don't wanna get too dry. You gotta moisturize it. Is it ready? Is it ready right now? Can we eat it right now? No, 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 it's not ready yet. We're just spritzing it. And we gotta get the lid closed. We gotta keep cooking this thing. It takes time, but we don't wanna give it time. It's gotta be now. We gotta draft a wide receiver because that guy's gonna save all our pro. He's gonna fix everything. This guy, this year, rookie. Rookie's going to have us win a Super Bowl. Rookie wide receiver, that's the secret. No. Low and slow. The rookies aren't going to save us. Look to the second-year guys. Look to the third-year guys. No, rookie. Forget Jair. Eric Stokes, that's the guy. He's a rookie. He's going to have 50 interceptions. (laughs) Okay. Takes time. Give it time. Like I said, if he doesn't play week one, people are going to riot. Packer fans are pretty... um, they're, they're not necessarily the rioting type, but they're going to rage. They're going to drunk rage in their own houses. Why? Because we're throwing that brisket on a Weber kettle with our lump charcoal at 600 degrees. Now. I want to eat it now. 35 minutes. This brisket's ready to go, son. I don't know why people think it takes 12 hours, 17 hours. I did it in 45 minutes. Bunch of suckers. It's going to be tough. It's going to taste like garbage. It's going to chew in leather. And it's going to be burnt. Relax. Enjoy it. It'll happen. It might be this year. It might be next year. It might be five years. It might be ten years. You're going to see another Super Bowl, probably. But you know what the reality is? Maybe you'll see one or two or three in your lifetime. Enjoy football. And when that Super Bowl comes, you'll be able to cherish it even more. Because you don't expect it. You don't feel you're entitled to it. It makes the moment that much more special because you know that this is, a, this is a Halley's Comet event. These come once every 10 years. Well, it's not quite Halley's Comet if it's every 10 years, but it's, uh, it's a shortened Halley's Comet. It's a Halley's Com. Get it? Shortened Halley's Comet is a Halley's Com. Why don't we take a break? Big, giant, massive thank you to Marillo Tavares, Michael Davis, and Douglas Chapin, Chapin, Chopin for jumping in on the Patreons. We are officially 80 away, 80 more patrons and we're doing the giveaways. As a reminder, we're doing two giveaways. One for new patrons, which there's a Zedarius jersey and a bunch of other cool stuff that I think you'll just be able to pick from. Compliments of Jacob. Check out uh, Bearded Buck if you got a beard, beardedbuck.co, I think. He's not asking me to plug it. I just I just do it because he does a lot for me and I do nothing for him. So please if you if you take care of your beard with the oils and stuff, He's a fellow Packer fan, local guy, great dude, buy his stuff. Um, But he's going to be giving away his personal stash just for you to help support me. And then the second giveaway will be for all the patrons, and I will be giving away a Green Bay Packers ticket. If you're not into that, then um, we'll come up with something else, PFF subscription, Game Pass, whatever. But um, that will be open to all patrons. But patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy, you can jump in for as little as $1 per month. A buck a month for potentially a Green Bay Packers ticket, potentially a Zadarius jersey. Uh, There's a piece of a Aaron Rodgers game-worn jersey. I think an Alan Lazard helmet. I'm kind of just going off the top of my head because I don't want to look it up because I got to get this moving, but great stuff. Why don't we take a break and we'll be right back. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get right now you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com/packdaddy wow that's crazy offer 10% off a $400 slab pack that's 40 bucks right there anyways that's arenaclub.com/packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase All right, now, on to the next topic. I mentioned a couple times talking about um, all in. Now, again, I don't want to see this as necessarily negative as much as I try to explore it for the first time, like actually explore it. Now, and I, the problem with all in is there really is no definition for it. Talked about this a little bit before where you could almost... Just define it as a team that spent all their money, right? You spend every resource you have to go get guys. Well, a lot of teams have no money by the time the season rolls around. But there's so many different variables. It's hard to just look back and based on a certain criteria, call that team or or mention that team, team has gone all in. So again, I'm exploring it without saying that this is a definitive guide because obviously it's not. There's too many variables to it. And and the more you look at it, and, and if you don't believe me, try it yourself, it becomes obviously a nonsensical term. Now, there are certainly things that look very all-in-ish, but again, if you really just dig in, it's hard to really identify anything as being massively all-in. And so if you follow me on Twitter, you saw just a little taste of where I'm going with this. I brought up a couple points, and then I'll elaborate on this a bit. But if we just look at it and say, okay, which teams spent the most on free agents? Right, so this isn't just you have no money, because that could be spent on your own players or whatever. This is how much in this year did you go out and say, I'm dropping this much money on these guys. Right, it's just, it's just spend. Now, as somebody brought up, well, the, the problem with that is sometimes teams have a bunch of money, and they're just trying to get back to zero all right like kind of like what the patriots are doing or some other teams it's like we just we have such a bad team and we got so much money we just got to go out and get some guys that's fine but we got to start somewhere and this is about as close as i can get to identifying teams that again what what are we talking about spent the most amount of money in free agency because a lot of times that's what people are talking about if you want to win you got to push all the chips in take whatever resources you have and go out and get guys okay so I attacked it from two different ways on Twitter, and again, we'll go in more in-depth. But if we look at the teams that spent the most amount of money, just the number one team, and we assume that these should be the best teams because they spent the most money, here are those teams. First of all, for this year, watch out for the Patriots. The 2020 season, it was the Dolphins. 2019 was the Jets just going in order. Jets, Jaguars, Jaguars, Jets, Bucks, Dolphins, Bucks, Panthers. Bottom line, these are all horrible teams. They're all horrible. And somebody else mentioned, well you should have to start with teams that are contenders. The problem is it's self-selecting at that point. If I only pick good teams and then say, okay, what good teams spent a lot of money? And then say, okay, well, how good are those teams? Well, obviously they're good. We, we, made that a, a, we made that a contingency from the beginning that they have to be a good team. So that's not a fair way to do it. And it still answers the question to some degree. If you go out and buy a bunch of free agents, are you a better team? Obviously not. These are literally all the worst teams in football. Now, I attacked it from a second perspective because, okay, so fine, those are just really, really bad teams with a lot of money, so obviously they have those. Fine, okay, well, let's look at it from this standpoint. You have to to go all in to win football games, right, to win Super Bowls. So you would expect teams that won Super Bowls spent a lot of money in free agency that year because that was the year they went all in. That was literally never the case except maybe one. Again, going in order, Super Bowl winners from last year to 2011. The Bucks were 14th, and again, I'll cover that a little bit more in depth, but we always talk about they went all in. They went out and got everybody. And There's no question if they didn't get Tom Brady, they weren't going to win. That's obviously a, uh, a bit of an anomaly. If you get a high-flying quarterback, you obviously increase your chances. You went from a garbage team to a team that's suddenly a contender, but in actuality, and you know, we'll look at it from different perspectives, they were 14th in the amount of money they spent on, on free agents they were middle of the road so yeah so, so that's and that's what that's part of the problem that I'm talking about we go back and we cherry pick and say look at what they did see what they did they went out and got a bunch of other guys and they won a super bowl that's how you win super bowls the problem is you're ignoring the 13 teams that also did that to a higher degree than the Bucs did and didn't win a super bowl most of which didn't even make the playoffs cherry picking you can't pick out the one team That was 14th and say, see, they were 14th, which is a lot. So then they won and then ignore all the other teams that did more and didn't win. Again, you have to test your theory out. Otherwise, it's like, you know, you witness a guy robbing a bank and he comes running out and he's got blue jeans and a red hoodie. And it's like, you know what? I think I figured it out. Guys with jeans and red hoodies are bank robbers. Like, What are you talking about? I just look, I told you jeans and a red hoodie. And there he goes. Okay, well, now is the part where we have to test that theory. We got to attack it from two different directions. Look at all the bank robbers and tell me what percentage of them had jeans and red hoodies. Probably not many of them. Let's attack it from the other standpoint. People that wear jeans and red hoodies, how many of them rob banks? In both cases, you look like an idiot. So don't just say random things. Test out your theory. And again, I understand this isn't the best way to, chew, to to gauge all in, but I've never been able to find anybody who can tell me what all in is and then apply that to all 32 teams over the last 10 years and prove to me that it is a strategy that equals more wins or Super Bowls. It doesn't work, right? Well, I know how you win Super Bowls. You got to go out and get a big-wig free agent quarterback. That's how you do it. Look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They did it. Okay, let's apply that over the last 10 years. Is that a reality? No, it's not. It's a thing that happened. but Correlation doesn't necessarily mean causation. I say it like that because we're all tired of hearing it, but yet we apparently all forget it when we try to make our brilliant points. Don't talk to me until you've done your homework and then show me your work. I'll take it seriously. Again, if you want to take the time to devise an all-in formula, which is going to be flawed because there's no way you can do it where it's not flawed, but give it your best shot and then show me how... All the teams that went the most all in won Super Bowls, or something to that effect. And again, please don't self-select. Well, you gotta, you gotta be a good team first, okay? Well, then I'm not taking you seriously. Going back to our bank robber analogy, it's like, well, you gotta start by looking at bank robbers, and then, uh, then find bank robbers that wear jeans. And sure enough, you find a correlation when you when you apply that formula most of the time. Eh, bank wear, robbers wear jeans, so there you go. No, that's <laughs> That's not that's not a thing. So, I don't even think I finished the list. The Buccaneers were 14th. The Chiefs the year before were 12th in spending. The Patriots, who as I said, do not operate even close to the way that casual fans like feel like the Packers need to, were 24th in free agent spending. The Eagles the year before were 20th. Despite the fact that they went out, remember they went out and they got a quarterback, and that quarterback ended up winning the Super Bowl. They were 20th in free agent spend. The Patriots the year before that were 23rd. The Broncos before that were 25th. The Patriots before that were 15th. So that's the, it's not the highest, but it's it's up there. The Seahawks the year before that were 24th in free agent spending. The Ravens the year before that were 6th, which is the highest by a lot. But I had Anthony jump in and... Uh, He had a comment, I didn't even bother to look into it, because it's just, I feel like the point is already proven just by what I've done without even digging into it, but he says, and that Ravens team, their free agent signings that weren't very good. So if you look at the additions, you had safety Sean uh, Considine, cornerback Corey Graham, wide receiver Jacoby Jones, defensive tackle Ryan McBean, defensive tackle Mayake Komoetu, and safety James Hedigbo. So it sounds like... If that was the case you wanted to make, that your best shot would be the Ravens, but then you'd have to take another step and prove to me that it was the free. And that's the other problem, because you're going to get coincidences, right? You might get a team that spends a bunch of money in free agents, and those free the, the, the big-name free agent you got busted his ACL, but the team was just good and ended up winning anyways. There's so many hurdles here. Then finally, the Giants, the year before that, were 14th. The only team in the last 10 years that's cracked the top 10 is the Ravens, who got a bunch of guys that I've never heard of. Right? And then, okay, so let's let's take a look at it a little bit deeper, and we'll go kind of in reverse order here. So the Super Bowl winners didn't spend a lot in free agency like ever. And the teams that did spend a lot in free agency didn't win Super Bowls. Okay, that's fine, but what about, I mean, some of those teams probably did well. Maybe they weren't the best, te- or the, the, the team that spent the most maybe wasn't very good, but that doesn't mean if you spend a lot, you're not going to be very good. Let's look at last year. The top five spending teams in free agency were the Dolphins, the Bengals, the Raiders, the Browns, and the Panthers. How about top 10? Lions, Giants, Bears, Bills, Jaguars. The Buffalo Bills, are the only team that was top 10 in free agent spending that was a good football team. The Dolphins were not very good. The Bengals were terrible. The Raiders are terrible. The Browns, eh, I guess the Browns were fine. Panthers, garbage. Lions, garbage. Giants, terrible. Bears are a joke. Bills are great. Jaguars are an absolute joke. After that is the Jets who are terrible. After that are the Broncos who are terrible. After that is Washington who is terrible. Then you get to Tampa Bay. If you look at the bottom five teams in spending last year, you end up with the Ravens, the Packers, and the Chiefs all in the bottom five of free agent spending. You had three playoff teams in the bottom five, one of which was in the Super Bowl, one of which was in the NFC Championship. There's almost, you would say, an inverse relationship between spending and uh, winning Super Bowls and whatnot. Well, you might say, that's because those teams have less money. So they can't spend as much, okay? But that still kind of proves my point, doesn't it? Think about it. What's better, having a team that's already really good, or going out and buying a team that's really, really good? Let's say you got two different scenarios. You got one team that is not very good that's got sixty million dollars in cap space. Another team that is very good and has ten million dollars in cap space. They both spend money to get down to zero, meaning one team spent ten million, one team spent sixty million. Which team's going to be better? It's going to be the team that spent $10 Why? They're both paying the same amount of money for the same amount of players. So the value should be about equal. Why is the team that had less money better? Because of the guys that are already on the team. Because that's more important than the guys that you go out and pay for. It still proves my point. What you want is a team that already has good guys. You want to have spent all your money on guys that are on the team that are really good. Now, there's still a potential that you're overpaying for guys, which throws this off, but let's just assume every team is perfectly paying for guys at the exact right value. You want to have as little money left for free agency as possible because you've spent all your money on a roster that is perfect. That's better than going and getting some guy off the street, as evidenced by what I just read you. If your team is not very good, you're not paying very much. If you're not paying very much, you have a lot left over. If you have a lot left over, you can spend more in free agency. The teams that do that, who have a bad team but go out and spend a bunch in free agency, cannot compete with the teams that can't spend any money because they spend all their money on a team that's been built from the ground up through primarily draft and develop on a team that is stacked already and doesn't really need as much. In other words, it's a good thing to not be able to have enough money to go out and get that big-name wide receiver. Teams that can do that can do that because they suck. Even if you look at quantity, you say, okay, well, Tampa Bay maybe didn't spend as much uh, you know, uh, in total value, but they went out and they got 15 guys. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers brought in Tom Brady, and Dominican Sue, Joe Haig, Leonard Fournette, Ryan Smith, Raheem nunez Roches, Blaine Gabbert, Kevin Minter, Ryan Suckup, A.Q. Shipley, Kyle Love, LaShawn McCoy, Andrew Adams, Josh Wells, and Bryant Mitchell. Fifteen guys they brought in. That's the money, son. Here's the problem. Kansas City brought in 15 guys. New England brought in 15 guys. The Bengals brought in 15 guys. Washington brought in 16. The Jets, the Bills, the Lions, the Browns brought in 16 guys. The Jaguars and the Panthers brought in 17. The Titans and the Saints brought in 18. The Bears and the Raiders brought in 19 guys. And the Cardinals and Giants brought in 22 free agents. But again, everybody looks at Tampa Bay and says they brought in 15 guys and spent $74.68 million in free agents, and they won a Super Bowl. Okay, the Giants brought in 22 players and spent $108 million. The Miami Dolphins on 13 guys spent a grand total of $236 million on free agents. Again, the problem is tell me the principle and let's apply it. If you spend more money. Okay, again, Miami, 236 million dollars. They spent 16 million bucks on Byron Jones, 12.8 on Kyle Van Noy, Shaq Lawson 10 million bucks, Eric Flowers 10. Obviously, this is full length of the contract. And here's it you can sort it by year one of the cap. In which case, Tampa Bay is a significantly higher, but that comes down to structure. Green Bay Packers don't Put a lot of years on the cap because they went out and got younger guys that you can play for a lot longer so they pushed the money out so year one wasn't as much even though total value was relatively high back in 2019 2018, was it 29 it had to be 2019 so that's a structure thing okay what about total average value well miami dolphins 18.2 million dollars the second highest was the chargers at 10 tampa bay's average per year way down here below half 4.9 million dollars Average per year value. The Giants, I I can't even go through this list. James Bradbury, Blake Martinez, Levine Toilolo, Logan Ryan, Kyler Fackrell, Cam Flenning, Colt McCoy, Nate Ebner, Deion Lewis, Austin Johnson, Devontae Freeman, Corey Coleman, Kenny Wiggins, Graham Gano, Casey Kreider, Eric Tomlinson, Brandon Williams, Prince Smith, Jabal Sheard, John uh, Halapio, John Holton, uh, Dalen Mack. So don't sit here and tell me all in fixes anything. And again, if you wanna oh okay, you gotta say contender. First of all, again, you're self-selecting, and that's kind of not fair. But how about the New Orleans Saints who brought in 18 different players? Why didn't they win a Super Bowl? You're telling me they didn't they've they've gone all in two years in a row, they've maxed out. They maxed out the credit card two years in a row because they knew Drew Brees was on his way out. Malcolm Jenkins, Emmanuel Sanders, PJ Williams, Justin Hardy, Patrick uh Omame, Johnson Badamosi. Jameis Winston, DJ Swearinger, uh, James Hurst, Anthony Ciccolo, Ty Montgomery, Dwayne Washington, Michael Burton, Noah Spence, uh, Cameron, Tom, Austin Carr, Ethan Wolfe, Nigel Bradham didn't win a Super Bowl, did they? Titans brought in 18 guys. The uh, Cleveland Browns brought in 16 guys. The Buffalo Bills brought in 16. They didn't even get to the Super Bowl. All of those teams are contenders. All of them um, did not win. The, The Chiefs brought in the same amount of guys, 15 guys. Bashad Breeland, Demarcus Robinson, I'm not going to go through the whole list, but on and on and on, right tackle Mike Remmers, Mike Pinnell, Le'Veon Bell they brought in for crying out loud, Seattle brought in one less guy, 14 different guys, they've been going crazy in free agency lately, they're not doing jack, a lot of teams are going all in, lots of teams every year, again, 2019, the Kansas City Chiefs, geez, where are they on this list? 12th 12th in how much money they spent. The Green Bay Packers were second, 186.4 million. Again, stop saying the Packers didn't go all in. 186 million dollars the total average 23.3 million, which I think is just players divided by total value. So that's 23 million average over the length of the contract, I guess. I don't know. It's a weird way to put it. They spent 186 million on eight guys. The only team that spent more on free agents was the Jets. They brought in 22 guys. The Oakland Raiders in 2019 got 27 free agents. The Cardinals got 25. Other guys, the Buffalo Bills brought in 21 players, $181 million. Titans, seven players, $106.7 million. The Ravens, 15 players, $81 million. The Chiefs, 13 players, $78 million. Why didn't the Ravens win? They brought in two more guys for three more million dollars and they didn't win. Why not? They went more all-in than the Chiefs did. The Saints, 24 free agents. I told you, two years in a row, they maxed out the credit cards. 24 free agents for $77 million is what they did. They did not win a Super Bowl. They did not get to, get to the Super Bowl either of those two years. So stop telling me that if they would just go that extra mile, they'd get it. The only reason they're not winning Super Bowls is because they're not going that extra mile. Nonsense. They didn't win because the guys on the team didn't show up when it mattered the most. Guys like Kevin King, guys like Rick Wagner, guys like uh, Billy Turner, they folded when it mattered the most. It's not because we didn't go out and get Nick Easton. It's not because we didn't spend $13.8 million on Earl Thomas like the Baltimore Ravens did. It's not because we didn't spend $13.5 million on Quan Alexander like San Francisco did, a guy that's been bounced around every year because he's not actually that good. It's not because we didn't spend $18 million on Trey Flowers or $16.5 million on Trent Brown or $17 million on CJ Mosley and $13 million on Le'Veon Bell like the Jets did or the Patriots who went out and spent $10.5 million on Antonio Brown and still lost or the Seahawks who went out and got 18 different players, uh, KJ Wright, Ezekiel Ansah, DJ Fluker on and on and on. I'm sorry. It's just not a thing. And if, again, if you want to devise your own all-in formula, go for it. But here's the thing. Here's what you can't do. You don't try to find a way to twist it so that it, it works. You, you come up with a way that makes sense first. Then you devise it, and then you apply it to the NFL and see how it turns out. If you don't do it that way, it's just going to get picked apart because your, your methodology is going to be just obviously stupid. Because you're just changing things to try to tweak it to get the Super Bowl winners on top. Which I doubt you can find any formula that makes the Super Bowl winners on top. But if you do, and you don't apply a principle that makes sense absent any prior data, it's a garbage formula. I'm sorry, but I don't buy it. That's not to say never spend money in free agency. You have to do what you have to do, and that's on an independent basis. But to have this blanket statement that you have to go all in, or you know the reason the Packers haven't won is because they haven't gone all in. That's not the reality. If you look at the last two years in the NFC Championship game, give me one free agent that you can plug in and we win those games. You're a liar if you think you can find one. They got stomped out so bad in those games, there isn't something. You need a brand new offensive line, a brand new defensive line, and at least one more new corner. And a bunch of DBs that know how to catch interceptions if you want to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And the 49ers, it would, I don't care if you get a brand new team. I don't want to relive that for another second. That was such a brutal beating. Nobody, nobody played well in that game. It was an embarrassment. It's, it's, it makes me cringe even thinking about it today. You're going to go out and get one guy that's going to fix that. No, the guys that are on the team have to play. That's it. There is no magic pill. There is no magic formula. At the end of the day, the Packers have a very good football team, and I think that makes people uncomfortable. I don't think people like that fact, because if that's the case, then it's out of your hands, it's out of your control, and there's nothing you can do, and people hate that. They want to be able to to just put something on it and say, if you do this, it fixes it. If you do that, it fixes it. It's the same with society. Nobody likes the reality that some bad things are just going to be bad things, and there's nothing you can do about it. We always want to think there's a quick fix. I know we, we, we just have to impose a new law. If we just make a new law, it'll fix everything. No, it won't. In fact, it'll probably make things worse. No, it, it, you're lying. You're a liar. It'll fix society. It'll make everything better. No, it, it won't. There shouldn't be any poor in the world. Okay, well, that's that's that would be nice. It's not really a real thing that you can do. But I, I wish there wasn't. Well, there shouldn't be any crime. And if we just tweak this, if we just change this, if we're more harsh on criminals, if we're less harsh on crim- criminals, if we're if we start spanking our kids, if we stop even scowling at our kids, if we're you know more lenient, more tough, more this, more that, we'll fix society. If we're nicer to the people that hate us, if we're meaner to the people that hate us, you know we should we should hug terrorists. No, we should just wipe them off the map. Look, I, it, you're not fixing it. There is no quick fix. The end of the day. Football is just a game in which you enjoy it up until it's over. And almost every single time it ends without you winning a Super Bowl, right? And the, the truth about life is that life is suffering. You get to have some fun along the way. But there's sadness and pain and tragedy and poverty and disease and illness and death and anger and hatred and war. And none of that's going away. And you can try to lock everybody up and put them in padded rooms because you think that's going to fix everything, but it's not. It's life. Deal with it. It's football. Deal with it. Not every year wins in a Super Bowl, sweetheart. Get over it. No, we don't need to fire Guttekunst because he's a failure. He's a loser. He's terrible. He's garbage. Again, apply that to the NFL. Tell me what Guttekunst has done wrong. Show me what a good GM should do and then apply that to the other 32 teams and tell me how many GMs meet your standard of being a good GM. I'll wait. What is your standard of being a good coach? And show me where the coaches rank. I'll wait. Yes, JJ, I know you did the rankings for coaches. I thank you for that. I don't have to wait for you. I saw yours. Hey, Brian's in the house. Just about to end it. And he hit me up on Venmo. Thank you, sir. Brian has been a uh, longtime listener and supporter of the show. I really appreciate that, man. Anyways, I think I got to let it go. I, I can only beat this dead horse so many times. And, and And I don't think I've changed a single mind. Most people, I think, agree. Some people have come around. They've told me. But um, the people that are dug in are dug in. Just understand that you're not going to get a single bit of sympathy from me, and I really don't want to hear your whining. We're all just sick of hearing you complain. You're whining and you're crying and complaining. If you think that you're correct, just go prove it. Go do what I said and show me. Show me what you want in a football team, what you want in a GM, what you want in a coach. Apply that to the other 32 teams and show me how the Packers rank near the bottom and why that upsets you. Spoiler alert, you probably shouldn't waste your time because you can't. Because you can't take a team that's been so successful for 30 years, a team that is since Gudekunst and, and, and uh, Lafleur have taken over, are 13-3 in back-to-back seasons going to uh, title games. Best of luck showing me how this is a poverty franchise, which even Bears fans, when they say that, say it sarcastically. Stop. Stop crying or go root for another team because we're all sick of it. This is beyond first-world problems. This is like Paris Hilton complaining about poverty, which I don't even think she does that. I don't care. You need to spend time rooting for another team. Go for just for one year, for one year, go root for the Texans and then come back and see how, if that's changed, you know, it's like sending you on a, on the mission field for a year to, uh, I don't know, somewhere, somewhere where there's lions. I don't know. I'm not saying I want you to get attacked. I just feel like you'd get some good perspective in those areas. But anyways, again, I got to go. I got to go to bed. I'm running over with my ranting. You folks have yourselves a fantastical Friday. Things are going to start getting a little bit hectic for me. I'm going to do my best to keep up with things. Um, But this is officially the week. Pending any major disasters down the stretch, uh, we are doing our We just paid all our life savings to go buy this house. Uh, We just did that today, wiring money. And then Sunday, we're doing a final walkthrough. Monday, we are closing and... uh, going to spend the night at the house. It just actually dawned on me not too long ago. I started the podcast in this basement. This is, this is, I got to remember to document this before I leave. This is where it all started. It's kind of crazy. It's crazy to be like so wanting something so badly for a long time. And then it finally happens and you feel sad about it. Like you stupid idiot. For five years, you've been complaining about how hard it is to get a house. And you're never going to get a house. And you finally get it. And you're sad about it. <laughs> But I don't think I've ever lived in a, in a house for this long. I've been here for, I think, five years, four years, five years, something like that. I've never been in one place for five years. Anyways, that's completely irrelevant. Again, have a great Friday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.